Thanks for joining us. This is Off Leash with Eric Prince. I'm Mark Serrano. And remember to check out our sponsor, The Upphone from Unplugged, by going to unplugged.com slash offleash. Get yours today. We need to talk about what's happening in Israel and the Middle East because there are developments every day. Eric, thanks for joining us from uh, your undisclosed location. Um, Look, let me read you a couple of things, Eric. Uh, It seems to me that the Houthis, the Iran-backed Houthis based in Yemen, have declared war on any vessel trying to ship to Israel. Let me read a couple of things for you. During the first week of December, three commercial vehicles, uh, excuse me, three commercial vessels came under attack in international waters, prompting a U.S. Navy destroyer to intervene. Last month, the Houthis also seized a British-owned cargo ship that had links with an Israeli company. The U.S. and Britain have condemned the attacks, blaming Iran for its role supporting the, the Houthis. Uh, Tehran says its allies make their decisions independently, of course. Um, Saudi Arabia, at the same time, has asked the United States to show restraint in responding to the attacks. I don't think so. Eric, why don't you tell us the latest that's going on? Well, look, every time the Houthis stage an attack, they say, death to America, death to Israel, victory of Islam. So even if we don't think the Houthis are our enemy, we are definitely their enemy. And they're flat out saying it. And it appears that under the Biden administration, you can shoot cruise missiles, you can, uh, you can launch attack drones against U.S. naval vessels, apparently without, without consequence, without any circumstances, because they've done it many times now. They started first on October 17, sorry, uh, no, end of November, uh, on the, uh, the Galaxy Leader, which is a car carrier, somehow with ultimately beneficial owner of some Israeli guy. And as you said, they're attacking ships with drones. They, they, they smoked one out in the middle of the Indian Ocean with, a, with an attack drone. They've used um, uh, basically a Iranian-provided version of a, of a silkworm missile firing from shore, hitting vessels. Uh, the U.S. Navy vessels can shoot them down. There was also one fired at a French frigate, um, and they shot that down. But they are after it, and they're effectively behaving like pirates. Now, why does it matter? The Babo Mendab is a narrow choke point. And actually, the, like the first week you go to the Naval Academy, you learn all the key choke points in the world because it's where a huge amount of shipping traffic passes through. Everything that comes through the Mediterranean, through the Suez Canal, down, headed to Asia, has to pass right through the Babel Mandab, and it's, and it's a quite narrow passage, and easily, and obviously, targeted from shore by these Houthis. And what does the U.S. Navy do? They say, oh, we're going to put a task force together, or we're going to escort ships. So you're going to shoot down a $100,000 Iranian-provided missile with a million to $2 million missile, hopefully, and then shoot two of them, to shoot down the missile, and that's what we think is deterrence. No. Uh, Reagan had the same kind of problem in the late 80s, and the abs- there was one day that it smoked much of the entire Iranian Navy uh, because they were doing exactly that kind of thing. They were mining, and they were shooting, shooting things at commercial vessels, and Reagan said, enough of that. I don't know if, uh, if President Biden and that team have it in them, but they need to start thinking that way. Now... Yemen is a con- complicated place. It's um, uh, 
It was north and south Yemen for quite a while. The Houthis are a Shia uh, part, and they own, they kind of control the, the western, northwest side of the country, and they have waged war against the Saudis for a long time. Um, already back in the 60s, Egypt invaded uh, Yemen, displaced the monarch, and it was a big problem. And so actually the British government working together with the Saudis, and oddly enough, the Israelis at the same time, put a private force together. David Sterling, the founder of the SAS, um, side note, if you haven't seen the series Rogue Heroes, watch, it's fantastic. It's on the founding of the SAS. It'll give you great respect for modern special forces being formed. Um, Sterling put a, a team of guys together paid by the Saudis, armed by the Israelis, and they smashed the Egyptian forces that were there. They did so well that Sterling actually received a, a medal from the Israeli army for pinning down so many Egyptian soldiers that had helped them in the Six-Day War. So there is history of private, contracted specialists helping solve those kind of problems. Knowing that... Eric, you, you know, the, the, the latest attack from the Houthis came against the Strinda um, because they believed it was delivering crude oil. We find out that it actually was delivering biofuel feedstock headed to Italy, not even to Israel. But look, this this sounds like it's getting out of control. And what really concerns me is the Saudis, if it's true, cautioning them, for cautioning the U.S. restraint. Why are we tolerating this at all, especially with the naval presence that we have in the region, you know, following the October 7th attack against Israel from, from Hamas in Gaza. Why? Because the Saudis, huh, because the Saudis had a problem in 2014, 15, 16, 17. Um, early in 17, I met with senior Saudi officials at their request, laid out a, a concept of operations of how to solve that problem and secure their border and to beat the Houthis back and get them to the table. And Secretary Mattis, Secretary of Defense, said if you go for any kind of private support, you'll lose U.S. military support, which is really dumb because it wasn't going to cost the Pentagon anything, and it would have solved the problem for an ally. And so the Saudis are still, they get ravaged by the Houthis, and they have somewhat of a detente with them now because, this, because the Houthis were regularly firing ballistic missiles, and launching Iranian drones at Saudi oil infrastructure to the point that it even it, it, it hit the Rastanur facility, which is the main blending facility of all the Saudi oil facilities, and all the high-dollar American uh, anti-aircraft missile systems missed a lot of that capability. Yeah, it hit some of them, but not all of them, and especially when you're launching a $50,000 Iranian drone um, shooting a million or $2 million missiles at it is really bad math. So, look, there's one solution, and the, and, and the Houthis will understand a thorough pounding. That's all they're going to all they're going to learn. And trust me, the Iranians have stimulated and provoked, and 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 funded the Houthis to do this kind of stuff. And it's absolutely who's providing them with these uh, uh, anti-ship missiles, attack drones. And I understand. I have one intel source. Um, a foreigner that said they're seeking a very long-range missile, which they're supposed to get in April, that they're capable of, of targeting an aircraft carrier with. So again, so they are, this is as, as an Iranian surrogate, controlled, 
funded, supplied by Iran. They are attacking any commercial vessel now, basically, passing through the Bab al-Mandab. That's, that's going to even be very damaging to Egypt because a huge amount of a huge amount of Egyptian money earnings comes from the the tolling that go, for ships going through the Suez Canal. So this is this a is another all meltdown. Out, this is an all-out war on commercial vessels to try to block shipments to Israel. You say that the only way to get the Houthis to back off is they need a good pounding. Where's that pounding going to come from? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if the administration has um, has the wherewithal to think about how they do that. And again, you know, one of the one of the jobs of a military commander is to release energy. But the cost of energy for the U.S. military, meaning the cost of the weapons systems, to to deliver that kind of pounding to the Houthis would be again more billions of dollars that we don't have. Now, at the same time, Eric, here, here's something I don't think a lot of Americans are aware of, uh, staying in the region. The United States currently has 2,500 troops in Iraq and 900 troops in Syria. And uh, since October 17th, I understand there have been 90 separate attacks on U.S. military bases in Syria and in Iraq Again, this is Iran trying to fan the flames of a massive regional conflict. Tell us more. Look, the Iranians have planted surrogates. You've heard of Hezbollah in Lebanon, the party of God. They started in the 80s, a Shia radical party that hates America. That's who blew up the Marine barracks in 1983 um, at the U.S. Embassy and tortured our ambassador. Um, the Houthis, of course, in Yemen. We've just been talking about them. And now in Iraq, for, for all the blood and treasure and time that the U.S. spent trying to make Iraq safe, we basically turned it over to the Iranian regime who runs that place. They decide who becomes the prime minister, not the Iraqi voters. And they have a force there called the Hashtashabi, um, which is like a, a Hezbollah. It is paid by the Iraqi government, armed by U.S. weapons owned by the Iraq, uh, by the Iraqi government. And they're led by Iranian Quds Force officers. So you have basically Iranian-controlled paramilitary army, to include tanks, inside of Iraq that really calls the shots. And so those kind of guys are the who's un unleashing attacks against U.S. forces in Iraq and, and, and equivalents on the Syrian okay, side but, of the border. So, so but the you're saying is, why, it's why in Iraq. You're saying it's Iranian forces attacking U.S. military bases. What should the U.S. response be to that? Huh. Well, I know it's complicated. Again, they, 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 they understand one thing, force. They don't understand playing nice. They don't understand. They don't care how virtuous we are in our pursuit of human rights and equal rights for women or anything else. They understand a two by four to the forehead. That's all they're going to get. And, and so if you're going to have U.S. forces there and let them be sitting ducks, that's a, that's a wrong position to keep them in. And, and why do we have forces in, in Syria at this point anymore? Yes, the Kurds um, are, are, have issues certainly with the Turks and with the Syrian government, but it is not the job of our sons and daughters to protect the Kurds long term. Again, Trump was right for the instincts to pull them out. He was largely thwarted by the deep state. And uh, those are places where it's time to bring them home. 
or, yeah, and, and, or, and, or, and look. Or, or, or fix a rock and, and let. So one, one side story. In 04, the head of the Iraqi intelligence service came to see me with, with a CIA handler. Because at that point, already in 04, less than a year after the U.S. invasion, they were detecting all kinds of signs of Iranian Quds Force, IRGC. Now, Quds Force is their paramilitary group, and the IRGC is the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. It's kind of like their SS. They were setting up political offices, assassination teams, basically uh, centers of force and coercion on Iraqi society. And And the Iraqis wanted a program to find them and to drive them out. And we priced it up. The agency was going to fund it. And it was blocked by Condoleezza Rice. She said, no, Iran is not our enemy. We have to respect the political process. It was a sad example of of academics, nice-meaning, nice, well-meaning people that don't understand force in a very rough-and-tumble part of the world. And if we we were able to sever the tentacles, the talons of the Iranians hooking into Iraqi society, Iraq would be a free and much more prosperous society today. But instead largely run and subjugated by the Iranians, and it's another massive fail of the neocons. Well, and, and look, let, let's, let's exit on this, Eric, but little did anyone know we'd be there another decade after that. Uh, and, and patriotic populists in America, they don't want to see boots on the ground uh, anywhere, Iraq, Syria, Israel, Ukraine, rightly so, uh, but even Donald Trump sent uh, missiles into Syria when it when it was called for. Uh, these attacks against military bases in Iraq and in Syria, these attacks against commercial vessels with our Navy presence there in the region uh, come from the Houthis. All of this is thoroughly unacceptable, and I think the American people would support knocking out these capabilities so we can bring that region back to some peace and, by the way, allow Israel to conduct its war and bring Hamas under control. Last word to you on this. Look, all the Gulf nations are frustrated that their friend and, and ally and, and partner in, in cooperation, the United States, has behaved so meekly, so vapidly to let the Iranian regime run roughshod, not only to stimulate and provoke the horrific a- a- attack that they did, that, that Hamas did in Gaza, but all the other nonsense, shooting missiles, Shooting, shooting in, in the in the Emiratis and the Saudis have been have been sub, subject to this for years, and the U.S. the Biden team hasn't done anything. Houthis fired missiles and attacked with drones. They hit Abu Dhabi airport. They have hit multiple um, parts of the uh, Saudi oil infrastructure. They've hit downtown Riyadh with ballistic missiles and nothing. So I don't know who in the Biden administration has such a soft spot for the Houthis. But guys, this is fixable, and it doesn't well, come. It does not come with diplomacy. This comes with, with uh, like I said, a two by four to the head of the Houthis. They they definitely yeah. regard themselves as the enemies of America. Death to America, death to Israel. Victory of Islam is their saying every time they do an attack. Yeah, unfortunately, this administration is too focused on getting Israel to restrain itself or ceasefire and on funding this war uh, in Ukraine uh, and also protecting Hunter Biden and his connections to Joe Biden and the family business for them to be able to focus on solving the problem in the Middle East. Look, that's enough for us on this segment. 
of uh, Off Leash with Eric Prince. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with you with more topics in, in, in another segment. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.